This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Good morning. How are you going? I've really enjoyed our series, Quintessence. I really like the way we've looked at it from sort of different angles and different people who brought the preach that, that week. It's been particularly helpful. And uh, we've decided to, to go back today to our theme, which is our theme for the year, Legacy of Faith. And for the next few weeks, we're going to emphasize what this is all about. So I want to remind you, perhaps first of all, of some of the things we've said, and then kind of take it a little bit further. Because we like to have a theme for the year. Because it's good if you can focus on one thing. You know, there's so much to learn about the things of God. There's so much to learn from the Word of God. And we encourage you to do that for yourself, absolutely. But if we can focus on one sort of thought, it helps us have a focus and and, and keep our mind on where we believe God wants us to go. And so at the beginning of the year, I reminded you of a scripture in Proverbs 13.22, which says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And so, as you look at that scripture and think about that scripture for a moment, I want us to not look at that in a kind of a narrow way. And we think, well, I'm leaving an inheritance for my biological children and my grandchildren, perhaps. Now, you may be wanting to do that. You may have made a will that will do that for me and Trish, the first 10%. In our, written into our will, the first 10% goes to God's house. That's a, that's a decision that we, we have decided to do, and I commend that to you. But so that, that's a kind of, that's an inheritance, if you, and it won't be a whole lot, but we'll do what we can to leave something behind. But the point is, the point is that's great, but because when we, when we think about the church, we're broadening it much larger than just my kids, my grandchildren. And I want us to think about what we do as a life church community as we invest. Yes, as we give, as we serve, as we, as we show up week by week and praise God and, and work together and encourage people. We're actually doing something that's broader than just me and mine. Because it's not just about us And it's not just about now. Thank God that people before us didn't just think about themselves and about the then. They thought about the future. So with a church with a hundred years or so uh, history, this particular expression of God's kingdom in this area, it's great that we can say thank God for people who went before us. So we then take responsibility to say, well, we're going to think about the people who are following us. So it's not just about now. And that's why we built this house. We built this house so that many people could come to know Jesus. People who weren't interested in God. People not yet even born when we started to think about building this building. But you know, it's not just that. It's about all the things that we do that we think about. We're leaving a legacy. Leaving an inheritance. As Christians, we have an incredible legacy, and with that goes an awesome responsibility to do what we can. So it's not just about us, me and mine, not just about now, it's about the future as well. So I want to encourage you with that thought. I gave up with a a quote. Uh, I don't know if I made it up myself or I found it from somewhere, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but I don't know who said it in the first place. It's in the book uh, at most bookstores, Things I Wish I'd Said First, and it's there. Be committed to a task that takes much longer than a life to accomplish. I love that idea. I love that idea. I'm not just like small-minded, thinking small. 
I'm thinking big. In a church that bites off more than it can chew. In a church that takes on outrageous big projects that it hasn't really got the resources to achieve. We are committed to something that takes longer than a life to accomplish. And so I want us to think about that and, and, and remind you just then before we, we get to another scripture, I want us to remind us about three things about the Christian's legacy. Number one, our legacy is not just about us. It's about honoring God and making his name famous. Our legacy will never be perfect. So that's okay. That, that, relax. Because I'm not perfect, some of you may be, and and I'll be happy to meet you later. But most of us would confess that we're not perfect. We make mistakes. But it's not the mistakes that are recorded in our lives. It's what we do with those. It's not the challenges that we have. It's how we uh, conquer the challenges by the grace of God and in God's strength. So it's not our legacy. It's never going to be a perfect legacy. But relax. We're going to do the best we can for the kingdom. And finally, our legacy should include steps of faith, courageous acts, and sacrifice. If you want an easy life, you're in the wrong church community. Absolutely. Life is not supposed to be easy. It's about taking steps of faith. It's about courageous acts. Well, I'm not that courageous. Come on, together, we are courageous in God. And it's about sacrifice, and that takes all sorts of forms as we invest in people in any and every way we can. So that's a kind of reminder of legacy of faith. It's not just about me and mine. It's not just about now. It's about something much bigger than that. And as we think, thank God, of the influence of this church community as we impact our neighbors, our nation, and the nations, we thank God for all of that. It's bigger than we could imagine, but God's way bigger, and he blesses the little that we can give to him. So I want us to uh, look at a, a leader in the Old Testament, a guy called Joshua. Now, Joshua was chosen by God to lead his people. God's people, the Israelites, were in captivity in Egypt. And God raised up a guy called Moses who brought them out of captivity. But they wandered around because of their disobedience for 40 years, kind of going around in circles. And Moses died And God raised up this guy called Joshua to take them into the promised land. From a place of captivity, from a place of smallness, from a place of restriction, from a place of lack, to a place of freedom, a place of of plenty, a place of blessing. And that's a picture of what the gospel does. God takes us from a place of restriction, a place where perhaps we might be controlled by all sorts of things in our lives. God releases from that into a place of freedom. And in that place of freedom, we can have a liberty, we can serve God, and we can be blessed. That's what the gospel does. That's the message of the Bible. That's the Christian faith believes that we can go from where we are, captive, restricted, into something far bigger and more expansive. So this man, Joshua, displayed incredible strength and courage in taking God's people out of one place to take them to another. He was a mighty man of faith. He was an inspiring leader. He did a fantastic job in doing what God had called him to do. But sadly, when he died, it did not continue. And I want to read you just a couple of verses from a book called Judges in the Old Testament, which describes something of what I've just said and what happens uh, uh, subsequent to his death. So in Judges chapter 2, verse 7, it says this. 
The Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died age 110. Not bad. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Extraordinary and incredible. Incredible things were done. Great victories were won. Uh, they've defeated the Amalekites. They came across the, the sea on dry land. They, 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 they had victory after victory after victory. God provided for them. It was miracle after miracle after miracle. An incredible sequence of events to get them from where they were to where God wanted them to be in the promised land. Pretty much like what happens with us. When God picks us up from where we are to take us where he has planned for us and what he wants us to be. I'm not talking about heaven, I'm talking about earth and God God helping us to live a great life for him. You know, it's an incredible sequence of events and for them there was an incredible history of God's provision and God's power. There was a demonstration of the power of God in their lives. They had seen with their own eyes incredible things and Joshua and his the other leaders together with him had been a good example of that. But when they died, no one knew about God. No one could remember what God had done. An entire generation were there who did not know God or could remember what God had done. Incredible, tragic, disastrous, horrendous situation to be that they had been so faithful but had failed to pass on to the generation that was following them what God had done. They had failed to introduce the generation that were following them into a relationship with God. Perhaps they'd forgotten to talk about what the good things God had done. Perhaps they'd forgotten to to tell stories about God's greatness. We don't know what it was, but by God's grace, they had done incredible things. But an entire generation did not know God. There was no legacy of faith. Now just time out for a moment. Imagine what that would have been. Incredible things, but now a generation who did not know God. That reminds us of our responsibility to not just live in the now and me and mine. It's about others and it's about the future. It's about the present, absolutely, and it's a thank God for the past and what we're building on, on that we stand on the, on the shoulders of giants. We absolutely do. But it's also about the future and what we're investing for the future. Whether so busy fighting foreign enemies that they forgot to tell their kids about what God had done. Whether it's kind of just relaxing and think, I've done my bit. I'm going to kind of put my feet up. I'm going to, I'm going to relax. I'm going to thank God for what he's done. I've done my bit. It's over. I've made my contribution. I've served God. I've sacrificed. Now it's my time to, to, to get a bungalow and put my feet up. Is that what they thought? Nothing against bungalows. I'm not, I'm not ready for one yet myself, but nothing against bungalows. But just metaphorically, in their mind, they had decided to put their feet up. We've done it. We've achieved it. We've got where we were going to go. We need to remind our children of how great God is. We need to talk about the things of God with our kids. We need to do that. My grandson is only six months old, but I tell him every Sunday morning we're in church because we love Jesus. 
We're in church to worship God. Now you think crackers, because he's six months old, he doesn't understand what, what I'm saying. Well, I tell him that I love him regularly as well. Does he understand that? He's not once told me back that he loves me. So maybe I should give up telling him. No, because I understand I'm investing something into him. Not to get a return necessarily for myself, but that, that, I, I do that as I see that. But let, let's see our children around us, uh, you know, little children, but also people who are joining us and becoming part of the family, as people that we can remind about how God good it, how good God is. People who we can tell about the love of God. People who we can tell about the sacrifices. People we can tell about the victories. People we can tell about the triumphs. Yes, the struggles as well, but what God has done through the troubles. But please don't moan about stuff. When you're with your kids, just be positive about church. Even if you're having a tough time, we don't, we don't do that. Because it, it amazes me that people, people talk badly about church in front of their kids and then turn around a few years later and wonder why the kids don't want to come to church. Interesting. That's a stupid strategy, isn't it? That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? You wouldn't. Because we talk about the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you, you know, for some of us... Members of our family are not currently following God, but we haven't given up on them. So don't feel bad about this. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to help you and bless you and encourage you because we trust God and so many examples in this community of people who've come back to God and started following God again. So let's, let's, let's understand that we have a, uh, we're talking about it as it is. We're not pretending something that isn't, isn't the case. Who knows what they did or what they didn't do, but they had failed to pass on to those following them what God had done. Great victories, but no uh, legacy of faith. They had failed to pass on, if we like, the baton of faith to those who were following. They'd failed to take what God had given them and pass on to the next generation. They'd failed to remind them of the goodness of God, to tell them about the greatness of God, and tell them about all the wonderful things that God had done. They just had not done that. In the New Testament, it often talks about our relationship with God being like a race. It talks about the Christian life being a race and the importance of not just starting well, continuing well, but finishing well. And it also talks about passing on what we have to others. But it's tragic when we fail to pass on the baton of faith well. Let's watch this video clip. United States look as though they're away. This is Geneva Tamo on the third leg and the lead is a big one. For Nigeria in pursuit, Regina George, but the United States are flying down that back straight. And the final leg for the United States is going to be run by the great Alison Felix. Terrific support for the Bahamians who are making up some ground, but the United States hand over in front. Because the changeover where Alice.
Jason Felix was hoping to pick up and consolidate and increase that lead from Jenna Tarbo. Well, it's gone up in smoke like we're seeing from the pyrotechnics here. And what about the Jamaicans yep. as well? They were expected to be up there contending and from second leg onwards they were nowhere. There is a catalogue of errors here. Let's just look. This, this was, oh the, pro this was oh. the problem. This was Felix just trying right. to get the baton unsuccessfully from Tamo. But the thing was, they had a margin there. They had a margin of uh, error, as it were, because they could have just relaxed. They didn't win the race because they failed to pass on the baton. They were the best in the race. They had the ability to win, but they didn't win because the basic thing about a relay race... And I just think it's so important for us to remember that in the race of life, as we're seeking to serve God, the responsibility is not just about us, it's about what we can pass on. How tragic not to pass on that baton of faith. So what do we, what do we hand on to the next generation? Well, we hand on a legacy of faith. What we have learned, what we understand, we have responsibility to, pa to pass that on. And the importance of a good baton pass is absolutely essential. So in a race of life, in our Christian life, the run that we do, we focus on Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're not following another personality. We're following Jesus. And our focus is just to do that, to be, get closer to Him, to be more and more like Him, to, to, to do what He wants us to do and to live as He wants us to live. So when we think about that, what are the main things? What, are the, what does God want us to do Jesus, I believe, was very clear. Two things, to obey the greatest commandment and to fulfill the great commission. To obey the, the greatest commandment and to fulfill the great commission. So what is the greatest commandment? When Jesus was around, someone asked him, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? A, a Jewish teacher asked him that question, Matthew 22, verse 36. And the answer has come is right there in those words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's very clear that Jesus says that that is the greatest commandment, to love God and then to love others. Who's your neighbor? Well, the Bible's clear. Everyone's our neighbor. So we don't get to opt out about not loving certain people because we don't like them. The Bible's clear that we love God and we love our neighbor. It's clear that since Jesus says this is the greatest commandment, it should be our top priority to do the same, to love God in those kind of things. Now, if, I, if you're anywhere like me, I'm a work in progress. I'm, I'm definitely not there. God is my everything. He's the center of my life. He's, he, he's all that I want to honor and worship and, and, and to become more like. But there are times when selfishness creeps in. So I'm a work in progress, I guess, the same as you. But God is wanting to work on me so that I can be that kind of person. But you know, we're only capable of loving God because he first loved us. Now, if you think about it in your life, as we teach people to, our children, to receive love, we tell them that we love them, we uh, give expressions of love by our care for them and our concern for them and our looking after them. But what we're also doing is we're teaching them not only to receive love, but also to be givers of love. And we learn to be givers of love 
when we receive God's love and we follow him and become more like him. So we love God and then we love others. It's his priority. We know it as the, as the, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love others. So if we're thinking about uh, how we can pass on the baton of faith, how we can leave that legacy of faith, it's by demonstrating to those around us, the watching world, people in our community, our own kids, people that we come in contact with, etc., that we love God with everything and we love others. That is the greatest commandment. The second is to fulfill the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Some of you will know this scripture very well. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. For me, the Great Commission flows naturally when we fulfill the great commandment. Because if we love God and we love others, we want to reach them with the good news. We want to make disciples. We want help and introduce people to become, to know Jesus, to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Very, very clear. If we really love God, we want to be with him. Not only in this life, but for the future. And if we really other, love other people, we want them to experience that for themselves as well. We want them to know God now and have a secure eternity with Him. And there's just a, such a link for me that if we love God, we want to reach people. If we love people, we want to tell them about the things of God and introduce them to be disciples of Jesus, to be followers of Jesus. God gives us something to pass on, this legacy of faith. Like the baton that was dropped, we can't afford to do that. There's so much at stake in our own families, in our church community, in the world that we live on. We've got to be so diligent. We've got to be so deliberate in passing on what God has given us to do. To love God, to love people, and to make disciples. It's to obey the greatest commandment and to fulfill the great commission. You know, someone has said that our, your success is in your successor. But I want to broaden that a little bit and say, I believe our success is in our successors. And the more people that we can reach with a, a, with a good news of God, the more people that we can introduce to God, that multiplies our effectiveness. You know, we thank God for leaders in this church over many years. We, we thank God for our leadership team and, and our life group leaders and our leaders with youth and with children, etc., etc. That's all so important. But together, we can take a responsibility and say, yes, I'm going to invest in this. Yes, I'm going to do all of this because I want to see so many successes so we can see multiplication of the efforts that we, what, that we have. But you know, every generation needs to see for themselves the great things of God. He was Joshua's generation. They saw what God had done. They knew all about God. But a generation quickly followed who knew neither, didn't know God and hadn't seen for themselves. We need to introduce people to the good things that God is doing. We need to show them God's love and demonstrate that. We need to talk about the great things of God. We need to tell stories about victories. We think, tell stories of, of challenges, absolutely, but how God came through for us. We need to be deliberate in all of that. It says the Israelites served God. They didn't just know him. 
They didn't even just know about him and know him, but they served him. And that's a natural flow, a natural expression of what happens when we know God and when we love God. We want to serve him just as those did. But they said, those who had seen all the great things that God had done for Israel. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Some musicians, join us please. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What have you seen for yourself? Not just what you've heard about, what have you seen? Have you seen God at work in your life? Have you seen God at work in your family? Have you seen God meet needs? Have you seen God come through when challenges have been so seemingly impossible? What have you seen for yourself? Because we need to see things for ourselves. How do we do that? By steps of faith, by courageous acts, by put it, taking God at his word, by trusting him and beginning to live that life out. And then we can see for ourselves the great things of what God has done. What have you seen? It's important to experience God for yourself. I love coming together on a Sunday morning. It's a wonderful time when we can feel the presence of God, when we can connect with great people, when we can worship and honor God. I love all of that. But you know, it's got to be a heart connection, hasn't it? It's got to be, yes, God, you are my Lord. I'm not just singing about you. I'm singing to you. I'm no, I am praising you. I am lifting you up. And I'm the rest of the week, I'm trying to live the best life I can to point people to Jesus to fulfill the greatest command, to, to obey the greatest commandment, to love God, to love people, and to fulfill the great commission to reach out to those who don't yet know Jesus. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.